Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to Text Message, the UK-focused technology podcast with me, Nate Langson. And me, Ian Morris. Happy New Year, everybody. It's been a fantastic start to the year for some people and a, a bloody disaster <laughs> for, for others. Uh, which column do you fall into there, Ian? I, well, I don't know. Do you think I fall into the disaster column because I can't make windows bend to my will? This is true. Ian and I were having a discussion on our pre-show just before the, the show recorded here. And I have to say, Ian's got one of these problems that most people wouldn't count as a problem. But if you really care about technology, it's the kind of problem that keeps you awake at night. Yeah. Yeah, I just I, I find Windows is increasingly nannying me in a way that I don't appreciate. Yeah. I would like to be able to see where my applications are stored um, and access them but i can't do that because microsoft has decided that no everything will be done its way uh, and the anything you buy with your own money on the windows store will be inaccessible to you forever and only available at microsoft's behest anyway you shouldn't have said anything you should have gone straight into assuming that i was okay and not that i was having a mental breakdown like i am i just like to check in on you just every now and again, just just make sure your waters are in fine balance and you're not drowning in a pool of your own making, uh, which I believe this particular instance to be something. Oh, uh, and and Amazon is going to deliver something during this show. I can feel it in my waters. Can you? The waters well, are very sensitive if you're Ian Morris. <sighs> I do want to thank everybody for sticking with us for yet another year, or at least the first eight days of another year, because <laughs> this is actually our eighth year of podcasting. Would you have Adam and Eve it eight years ago? I do, I do have trouble, really. I, do, yeah. I, I really do, because it's been... I mean, you and I have been podcasting together since 2007. Yeah. I mean, obviously, there was a bit of a break in the middle. I did once come on the Wired podcast. You did. Um, I remember but, it. Yeah, it was good. Um, but I, you know, I the, it, we have been consistent in the world of podcasting. We've um, We were there before all the celebs were busy doing their podcast. Yeah, we're very much the Kirsty and Phil of the podcast world, aren't mm. we? Very much the Ant and Deck. Not that woman. Very uh, much the Charles and Camilla. Uh, the very Charles. much the Thatcher and Heseltine. Oh, I can keep God. going. You, well, could you pick better cu- duos? Um, Batman and Robin? I just don't like the uniforms, really. Spider-Man no, I- and um, Deadpool? No. I think this has run its course. Shall, shall we move into <laughs> the first main bit of news for the year, which I have to say actually came out just before the new year, but we didn't have a show then and we haven't done a full show uh, since then, but it is still worth knowing about. Um, and it is uh, the following. 
uh, The Telegraph, in fact, wrote this, that uh, customers of 3 and EE, or 3 as they are collectively referred, uh, if you're me, will be able to get signal on the tube, the London under tubes, uh, under a plan to boost mobile connectivity across the whole of the London underground network by 2024, which is now only a pair of years away, Ian, a pair of years. How exciting. The two networks struck a deal with a telecoms operator I'd never heard of called BAI Communications, which has built out similar infrastructure for other countries. I want to say it did one in Dubai, but that's not in my script. So check me before you quote me. And BAI has been given a contract from TFL um, to roll out this coverage to passengers. Now, Vodafone is going to be joining this project, I think, I want to say next month. Mm. Might be this month, might be February, but certainly it's very, very soon. And it's already done some, what it calls, successful trials. Virgin Media O2, which is now that combined entity, is still in talks over a deal, again, according to The Telegraph. Now, the first uh, the first part of the entire network, which dates back to the 1800s, so this is not exactly an easy job to do, uh, but the first line that's going to benefit from 4G connectivity is the Elizabeth line. That's set to open in the middle of this year. There are also plans to upgrade Oxford Circus, Tottenham Court Road, Bank, which is good news for me because that's the one that exits into my office, Mm. uh, Euston and Camden Town. In fact, these are fantastic stations for me. Number one, Oxford Circus, that goes all the way up to Tottenham Hale, which is where I need to get my train. Tottenham Court Road is where the best music shops are. Bank is where I work. Euston is where I go when I'm going to visit my mum. And Camden is where all the best concerts are. They could not have picked better stations to insert 4G into than those. However, Ian, my question for you is, is this too little too late in the world of Wi-Fi and let's not, let's be honest, pandemics? Uh, No, I think it's it's really good. And in fact, I'm... I'm sure they must have been doing a trial uh, because I was I was able to access the internet on my phone, I think on a Jubilee line. And I was like, this is brilliant. I love this. Of course, it does mean people can make phone calls on the tube, which I'm very against. Um, but no, I mean, it's good. I think the problem with tube Wi-Fi was that it was great if you were on the platform and you had the presence of mind to think, oh, I'm about to get on a train, best download my podcast now. Uh, and then you did that. And off you went. Um, I would often get on a tube and go, oh, rats, I haven't downloaded the podcast. And then I would have to sort of scrabble around or try and get it to connect in the station as it was going through, which it would never do. It's never quick enough. No, Um, it isn't. And it's frustrating. So why not just go, well, yeah, we'll just put it on 4G or 5G or whatever uh, and have it in the tunnels. I like like the idea. I know it's technically very difficult, um, but they seem to be making it sort of work. So yay. I... I mean, I agree with everything you've just said. And I do, as I understand it, 5G is also coming to the underground. Uh, John in our live chat, listening live, uh, just asked that. And yes, 5G will uh, eventually be be part of this once it's all completed. Um, The whole conversations on the tube thing worries me far, far less than I think it should worry people. Because have you you been on a tube recently? Well, it would be very, very difficult. Yeah, exactly. Deafening. The other week, it was one of the first times I've been on the tube since both wearing uh, an Apple Watch and, um, well, just being on it. I just hadn't been on a tube for, for such a long time. And I forget which line it is, and some are worse than others. I think it was the central line. And it was so loud, 
it triggered the warning on my Apple mm. Watch that yeah. I was being exposed to volume that was could be dangerous for prolonged yep. periods. I took a screenshot of it. It's something like 95 decibels. It's horrible. It, I hate it, was, it. It was crazy. So good luck to anyone who actually wants to have a conversation because when you magnify that by the poor sound quality of the average phone call, I mean, it's a good... If, call your enemies but, and I mean, they will right. leave you alone. You're absolutely right. But people, it doesn't seem to stop people. I've, I've seen people have conversations in places where I'm like, how are you managing this? Like people just seem to have superhero hit super. What about the word I'm looking for? Superhero kind of quality of hearing that I just can't imagine. I've seen all sorts of people do all sorts of things in weird places, and I mean, aside from that, I've also seen them make phone calls there. Um, Snail Scribbles makes a good point in live chat. Noise cancelling yeah. headphones. Now they are very good for you, but the noise cancelling headphones aren't going to make a phone call any easier for the other person to understand well, they might do because they often have uh they can apply you know the the sound from the microphones to cancel out some of the ambient noise so they might be better than a pair of normal headphones like those apple ones that everyone sort of manages with uh, before they invest in their first pair of good headphones um so you know it, it's um it's a uh, it's certainly a help, I would say. Anyway, there's, and I don't mind really... if people are doing that. You probably won't be able to hear them so much. But on a phone, I don't know, because they're just sort of yelling into their handset. I haven't seen anyone do it on a tube, but I have seen people make phone calls on all other transportation. In fact, don't you have a recent experience, Nate, with someone who spent roughly three hours on the phone? Oh, that was... No, that was on... Well, yes, that was on my train home from... Um... Uh, I was going from Macclesfield to London Euston. It was about an hour and 40 minutes. And yeah, she was on the phone the entire time. I mean, that the entire time. The wall. Well, I know. And you usually send me videos of it. Um, <laughs> but, but, and it, and it bugs me because the conversation was inane. It was the most banal nonsense that could have waited as you can possibly imagine how somebody is yeah what are you doing what plans for x what did you do about y did it come out in the end all this kind of absolute <laughs> nonsense i make an exception if you hear someone and they're on the phone and it's some uh woman on on the phone or man on the phone to the president of wangzu plastics because their mission critical <laughs> delivery of shipping of, of components for ventilators is stuck in the Suez Canal or something, then fair enough, make a call on the tube. But if you just want to talk about what you had for dinner last night, I'm sorry, put it in a text or just just shut up. I just have a nice WhatsApp chat. Nothing better than a WhatsApp chat. Yeah. Um, by the way, you reminded me of something. You know, Three is pioneering here, putting the coverage on the, um, on the tube. Uh, I still can't get a Three contract for my Apple Watch. Oh, it still isn't a thing. How many years has it been? Five? It's because they don't want to invest in the um, the SIM it, thing, isn't it? Because all it, the others have done it. Well, they need to do it. Well, apparently they don't. But well, don't I worry. Think they do. I would say hold your hold your horses on that because we're we're going to come to three in in, in just a few moments. Uh, one last comment before we move on from this. Snail Scribbles in the live chat says, "I was behind someone in the post office having a loud conversation about how her friend had accidentally got pregnant and whether or not she was going to keep the baby or not." I agree. That's a conversation initially in public by text uh, and later yeah. in the privacy possibly of your own home. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I don't. On the other hand. About- 
it's far less personal. Yeah, it's a far less banal conversation than what I was hearing on the train. It's a good overhearing conversation, that's true. At least there's some substance to it, uh, albeit uh, quite sad. Um, Okay, well, we'll include a link to the story about this and we will keep our eye closely on it. However, this is only story one of two that I've titled here, um, The Year Coming in UK Mobile Phone Networks. How exciting. And this one is much more recent for reasons that will become clear in a moment. 2022, of course, the year that UK mobile operators will start charging you again. Yes, you, in. Well, potentially hey. not. Yep. Uh, for using your phone abroad. Now, as a reminder, I'm sure everyone listening knows this, but as a reminder to overseas listeners as well, this is something that operators could not do under EU law. But since Brexit made that irrelevant, legally speaking, then it's now something you can be scalped for once again. However, the reintroduction of many of these fees are being delayed ever so slightly, albeit for technical reasons, uh, it seems, rather than anyone having second thoughts about going back on their promises to customers, let's say. The BBC wrote that uh, Vodafone, in fact, is the latest in delaying the reintroduction of roaming charges, only by three weeks. So if you're going to go take a holiday and you plan on using a hell of a lot of data, do it before the end of January. (laughs) Uh, The network had planned to bring in post-Brexit roaming fees on the 6th of January, so just towards the end of last week, matching other networks that have already said they're going to do so this year. But it still wants more time to test this stuff, so it's going to come in at the end of the month. Uh, EE is also delaying resuming its uh, roaming charges. Again, they were planned for January. They are now being bumped into March and three said it's going to bring roaming charges back to the UK. Uh, that is currently planned until uh, for May 2022. So as I was saying before, Ian, uh, news for three. If you're on three or you're planning on getting a SIM between now and May, um, I think you can probably get that in your contract, possibly, if you sign up before May. Check yeah, the, I mean, obviously, the small my, print. my three contract is ancient, so... That is a good reason, maybe to stick around. But yeah, yeah. I, I ultimately i i'm i've all, i've been very unhappy with three for a really long time, especially in the city where, you know, remember when I was in Paddington, I had all those problems. Like it, it was unusable, um, and that that to me is like it's I can't continue to have this. It's like I need to have something that actually works, um, because why not? I'm paying for it. Yeah, I know we don't leave the house a lot anymore, but... Well, John asks in the live chat, does that mean I can take my three 5G router with me to my parents in France? Um, Uh, No. Well, I'll be honest. Number one, uh, the law doesn't stop you taking it. You're certainly, I'm sure, very welcome to take it. But I'm just being facetious. I think, though, uh, I think you probably can. No, the terms and conditions will will make it impossible. Either you either it won't work, either roaming will be disabled, or they'll hammer you somehow. I I, I don't see that they would allow that at all. But 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 if he's in contract, then why not? Why why on earth not? It's still it's because still inclusive roaming until May for three. Well, no, because those um those data tariffs that they bundle with those devices are, tend to be different. They're they're not the same as phone contracts. Well, 
I would definitely check the small print or give them give them a call. Yeah, if it, and if it's unlimited, John, I would be really yeah. surprised. See, my like, EE roaming is uh, is well, my contract, my five G data is unlimited. So unlimited calls, unlimited data, unlimited texts. Um, and but I think it imposes like a a twenty five gig limit or something on when you're roaming, regardless yeah. of the country. And that's in my contract still, so I'm locked in. I would definitely check. However, I want to move on because there is a massive, massive bit of additional news to this. Because, And I, I do mean quite literally as I was writing this uh, the script this morning, uh, I got an email from an analyst uh, with a comment on Virgin Media O2's statement that it won't be reintroducing roaming charges at all. Uh, WTF, I thought. How could I have missed something? Well, it, it had only just happened. Uh, I looked it up and uh, Gareth Turpin, he is the uh, the chief commercial officer uh, of mobile at Virgin Media O2, told The Telegraph this weekend, quote, with COVID still scuppering plans and disrupting day-to-day routines for so many, we're starting the year by giving our customers some certainty. We will not be reintroducing roaming fees in Europe across both O2 and Virgin Mobile, we're maintaining our inclusive roaming so that our customers can travel to destinations all over Europe and use their data, calls, and texts just as they would in the UK. Mm. That is good. fired, in my opinion, because they have merged. They are, in a way, the underdog, even though they're one of the biggest networks. Um, This is an... And we were saying this when... when, one of them's charging like a pound a day. Like if it's a pound a day for roaming, just kill it and just use it. It's worth more than a pound a day, surely, for the marketing yeah. benefit alone. Clearly, Virgin Media O2 has said, yeah, that is worth it. Well done, Nathan Ian. Thanks for the tip. And they've done it. Well done. It, it is definitely worth more than a quid a day. And, and, I, and I maintain that... Um, I, and I, you might make... Maybe there's a possibility of making an argument that phone calls and text messages would be different. But when it comes to data, the transit costs are not significant. They all have the same agreements in place that they had previously. I did. A, I looked into this um, and looked at the European carriers and what they were doing, and they are not changing to charge for the UK. I obviously couldn't check all of them, but I checked a Dutch one, I checked a German one, and their terms and conditions on their web pages all said that they wouldn't that the UK was included in roaming in Europe. So they aren't doing the same back. So why are we doing it? It is a money grab, and it may be a small money grab, but if you think about you know, Vodafone's got a lot of business customers. They may well be, you know, in Europe, you know, every month for a couple of weeks a month, maybe. You know, it adds up. It's a small amount of money, but it's a money for doing nothing, which is presumably covered under their agreements. I, got, I obviously can't say that for sure because I don't know what's in the agreements. But I do think it's a, it, it's one of these things. It's it well, It certainly wasn't required there's nothing in brexit that makes it so um they could have negotiated it they chose not to they you know who knows what they've done or why they've done it but they are attempting to make money out of it and that is annoying it, it, yeah. it's just irritating and uh, i guess because they're no longer legally required to offer it for free so they see no reason to do so but they will find and i'm on virgin media for my home broadband you know, maybe I will move my mobile phone to O2 Virgin, you know, because ultimately that's a nice thing to do and I could perhaps save some money and I've had enough of three. I think you definitely, uh, definitely, definitely can save some money. Um, For instance, here, I'm looking at O2's uh, top pick 
of its of its plans you get 250 gig of data but it's unlimited if you have virgin media broadband unlimited nice. calls unlimited texts inclusive apple music inclusive disney plus what tw- 22 quid a month what i know i mean i'm paying 20 quid now so and, that's, and bear in mind that will also include your un- unlimited roaming Is that on the that's the, 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 I, I mean i literally just went to o2 click oh, deals on and o2 this, it's what? the top one. Oh, two, I'll have yeah. a look into that. Um, I, there was there was one other thing I wanted to say, um, mm. but oh, it's that's annoying. Oh, um, yeah. If I went to O2, would I finally get Visual Voicemail? Because Three's never supported that either. Probably. I don't Probably. even. Is Visual Voicemail even still a thing? Well, it was. I noticed on my mum's phone when I was up with her um, a couple of weeks ago over Christmas because I noticed her deleting some of them, and I was like, oh. Visual yeah, voicemail, right it's, there. Did not, it's, did not realize. It's nice. Visual voicemail was good. It was a good idea. It's just that three never bothered to implement it. I think other I, companies did. I don't even have voicemail. No I don't people leaving the voicemail because if I, you leave no, a voicemail, there's sort of this feeling like you've got through to somebody. Whereas for me, you 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 definitely haven't because I never listen to them. Yeah, yeah, no, so that's, that, turn it off. I, I am broadly in agreement with you there. Okay. I think this has been a very interesting conversation with many ups and downs, much like a valley. Uh, If you have been walking through this valley and thinking you spotted something interesting that you'd like to let us know about, do send us an electronic mail. You can do so by sending a message to hello at uktechshow.com. Well, the, uh, the battle for the best TV display t- tech has been kicked up a notch this year at CES. Nate, I know you're always um, considering a new TV. So always. I wanted to, always. So I wanted to tell you about Quantum Dot OLED. I'll come mm. to the naming of that in a bit, which is a sexy mating of two very impressive technologies. Um, I want to explain. So OLED, as our listeners probably already know, is a a specific kind of display technology that works like CRTs of old and plasma TVs also of old. Uh, They look good. They have these amazing black levels and fast pixel response times because they emit their own light. Whereas LCDs use a backlight uh, and can be comparatively slow with their response thanks to the liquid crystal that makes the images. Um, But OLEDs, of course, aren't perfect and they're never as bright as LCDs can be. Now, quantum dots are a specific kind of liquid which emit a specific colour when hit with a white or blue light. The colour they produce is governed by the size in nanometers of the quantum dots. So say a two to three nanometer will produce a short wavelength, while five to six nanometers produces longer wavelengths. So small is like blue and green and larger is red and orange. When you put those dots behind an LCD and shine a light behind them, they can match the pixel colour and produce this deep, rich colour. So, you know, basically you're getting a a much, uh, a richer backlight, basically, that uses a pure white that's far better than anything else you could use. Um, In a QD OLED, um, and again, they're not going to be called that, at least Samsung refuses to call them that, Um, there's a blue organic light backlight 
um, which fires into quantum dots. And they're mixed precisely so that they produce a very uh, pure kind of white light. And Samsung says that basically you're getting 8.3 million type tiny little backlights on a 4k display which gives you amazing contrast it gets rid of all of those problems with having a backlight where you get fringing around bright objects on black backgrounds so you know you, you've probably seen it you're watching the credits of a, a movie and the, the the white text on the black background will have a halo around it so that would be that would be gone and that is one of the big disadvantages of, of lcds no matter what you know how good they are um, so they would these QD OLEDs would have a, a contrast around the same as OLED, uh, but they will produce much brighter images. Um, and there are gaming monitors already announced that will have the tech uh, with huge refresh rates up to like 175 hertz, I think. Um, but they they aren't an OLED, so they're not using the same self-emissive technology to produce the image. They use it in the backlight. Um, but it's a it's a, a great improvement, and Samsung, I believe, is going to be calling them something else. It, they won't be QD OLED because it's confusing, because the background the the backlight is uses an OLED, but it isn't actually an OLED display. Any questions, Nate? I, I don't know if I can answer them. Many. I, the question, the, the number one question is: Is this the same technology that Sony's that Sony announced in its new yes, TVs? Because they're the is... the twenty twenty two Quantum Dot. OLED TVs they're the ones that they um they can adjust the picture based on the light of a room I think because they've got a camera baked into the top yeah that that is it so uh, as far as I know that those are the same technology um I again this this it sort of explains why LG isn't in this game because LG is the only company that makes display panels with OLEDs um so you know Sony uh any other company a TCL make OLEDs I think um, they are all using Sam, um, oh, sorry, LG panels because LG is the only company that's ever managed to get it to work at scale. So these will be a different kind of technology, which is why Samsung is not keen on the, the OLED name being used at all. I see. Okay. So if I was somebody in a market for a new TV, which we're getting to that point because I've started noticing quite a lot of banding uh, in the mm. light on our old LCD TV, which we bought about, goodness, six Six years ago, we bought it around the time we bought the house because it was the TV well, that I, we put in I, here. Yeah, I do caution you that could be a compression problem. Um. Okay. Well, we'll 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 yeah, go into but, that. But put it this way: it's there now, and it never used to be. So oh, right, okay. I'm I'm fairly sure that it's uh, it's on its last legs. But I'm not a huge. I know it sounds weird for someone who's obsessed with audio quality, but I'm I'm really not the same when it comes to pictures. It's you know, interesting. I, I bought a fairly basic 4k lcd it cost me about 600 quid uh and this this was a few years ago i didn't bother with oled i'm still not that bothered about oled because i just don't the stuff that i tend to like watching never really comes out in in hdr let's say and and a lot of it not even in 4k a lot of documentaries and a lot of them are quite old so they do scale quite well though to be fair oled is a nice display technology for scaling but lcd 4k tvs tend to be pretty good at scaling as well they seem to have licked that problem now i remember when we first got our flat you know first flat panels and watching standard definition upscaled was really quite painful um and sure it's still not great now but the processing power of these things is so good they're able to clean up the image quite a lot and of course a lot of stuff that you're watching on a 4k tv will be hd and that has to be upscaled too and they've licked that because there's obviously lots more detail to work with originally 
the reason I wanted to talk about this initially is just because CES was, in my opinion, a complete bust this year. <laughs> we'll come to that in uh, in, a, in a bit in our extended version of the, of, of the show. But the new technology of a TV always intrigues me because it's sort of central to a lot of people's houses. It's it's it reminds me of that great quote. I think it was Homer Simpson who said, like he was talking about a house that didn't have a TV, and he says, "What does all your furniture point at?" And I always thought it's a great <laughs> it's a great way of summing up the importance of a TV in most people's households. Um, and because I'm sort of increasingly in the market for a new TV, I thought, is this going to be the thing? So is this going to be the thing? Is the I think question. it is going to be the thing. I think for you, um, for a start, OLED OLED yeah. is the thing. Yeah, OLEDs are are it's it's the display technology I go for because. I, I think it. I, I like it the most. Um, I would say if you're a gamer, which you are, and you do often play games on your TV, and um, a lot of them, I'm, I think I'm right in saying you play a lot of retro games, don't you? So there are huge swathes of uh, blocks of color. Yeah, I would say that an OLED for you is it maybe it, I, I the burn-in is not really a big issue, but it could be. So I would say that if you're if you're um, someone who's really into gaming. Um, and if and if this helps with the refresh rates um, and pixel response times, um, now I don't know about the pixel response times because that's not that it's still using an LCD panel. But again, I don't think that's going to be a huge issue. Um, I think what you're going to get is a very well-rounded TV that is probably brighter, well, definitely brighter and and less susceptible to burn in. And would generally be a really good buy. And also, it should theoretically be a bit more affordable. Although that said, I don't think OLED TVs are that expensive now. I mean, well, I don't know. Do people well, think that 1500 quid is a lot of money for a TV? I personally don't, um, because I'd rather have something that's cost 1500 quid and is good than something that costs 300 quid and isn't. Well, I've, I've just gone into Amazon, searched OLED TV, the top result... Uh, that isn't sponsored is an LG. It is a forty-eight inch, and it is seven hundred and thirty-seven pounds. That's cheap. Is that an, is that really an OLED? A forty-eight inch OLED? Apparently so. That's yeah. ludicrous. I mean, if that is, um, I mean, forty-eight inches is small, um, but those were more expensive because. Um, they it's harder for them to produce smaller OLEDs because obviously they don't get as much out of the master glass. <laughs> so when you build a when you build, make a TV of any kind, the, the the panels themselves are produced in huge big glasses called master glass. You know these huge window sized things, and then in order to make littler TVs, they cut them. And if you're doing 55, you can get, say, five or no, probably four out of a master glass. Whereas if you're doing 48, you probably still only get four but you're wasting a lot of it. So the prices for those tend to be good. And I, I, you're absolutely right. I found um, an LG OLED, that very same one, I'm sure, for 737 quid. That seems to me to be a complete bargain. Mm. Um, it is an older model, I think, and and probably far less sophisticated. But if you were, you know, doing a toss-up between, you know, if you weren't that into TVs um, and, you, you know, your option was a £737 LCD or that OLED, I would go for that OLED in a heartbeat. That looks good. A, I mean, it's energy class G. Yeah, I mean... Which is horrible. Yeah, I, it is. And I know this is a problem, but I don't know quite what to do about it. TVs increasingly... you I mean, CRTs were the most cost-effective 
display technology in the world. They used absolutely no power. It would cost like 5p a year to run a CRT. Because, you know, basically the phosphor glows when it's hit by the scanning beam. And so all you need to do is power that beam and an electron electromagnet to move it around and it used basically no power it was great and then flat panels came along and they have these huge backlights and you know or very high energy demands and plasma was particularly awful um but it's never got any better really so i'm not surprised they're not doing well i also noticed that you could get yourself um a philips 48 with ambilight now how can you say no to ambilight mate Quite easily. Um, <laughs> more attractive to me would be there's an LG 55-inch one OLED that is energy class A. Now, that's much, much nicer for, for me to consider, but it's still a £1,000 and it's still 10 inches smaller than my current one. So mm. I'm probably going to wait for a little while. Give it a wait. It's a lot easier, I think, to make a big LCD, a lot, a more, a lot more cost effective. So I would say hold, hold your horses on that and see what happens in the summer when they tend to come out. Um, that would that would make a lot of sense, um, and there well, you know there are going to be computer monitors with this technology as well, which I think will be game changing because um, that's the one thing we've got at the moment where <clears throat> you know backlights on computer monitors are just not great. Um, so having a you know this quantum technology making it better would be a an absolute delight. It would be an absolute delight to hear from anyone who is listening to this episode. You can send questions to Ian using hello at uktechshow.com. Sorry, I forgot the email address there. I also forgot it when I was doing extra message the other day. I was like, email us. I have no idea how. Did you redo that then? Because I don't remember you saying that. No, I didn't. I didn't. I tried to do it. I looked around to see if it was in an old script and I couldn't find it because you, ah. you just seem to say it. You don't actually put it in the script. So I couldn't I find it. I it's never in the you, script. But it was yeah. like midnight by that point And I was like, no, let's just let's just assume that these people are smart because they are. That's true. And um, for our patrons, in fact, uh, the extra message that went out last week was Ian's first of the year uh, explaining why he's been banned for leave by, <laughs> well, banned from leaving reviews on Amazon. Absolutely shocking. Oh, dirty, rotten scoundrel. I forgot something from that TV discussion. I, um, JVC has a range of new laser projectors coming out now you might want to steal yourself here for the pricing but yeah. um the, i think the most expensive one is twenty five thousand us dollars but it's an you 8k can get somebody project- killed for that <laughs> yeah probably it's an 8k laser projector so it's, it's a 4k sensor and they have this thing called pixel shift so basically what happens is it it um it starts with doing one image and then it does another image and moves where it's placed so it's it can able it can do this 8k it's very good it's a very good technology but it's f- pure 4k um and they they i think they have them starting at around ten thousand pounds now you know it's a lot of money don't get me wrong and you'll need to spend a, a, probably another ten thousand pounds on a sound system to make it comparable and quite a lot of money on a screen but what an experience that would be the creme de la creme i'm so excited about the possibility of that i i don't know how i'm going to restrain myself from actually buying a projector because i've always wanted one and i don't know 4k laser that's going to be really bright it's going to do a nice job with hdr it's very tempting well um if this extended little bit of chat has uh tempted you into sending us an email then carry on hello at uktechshow.com 
Now, we are about to move into our third discussion story of the week, where Ian and I talk about things like having your hand massaged by a new product at CES and all the other absolute junk that came out of this year's depressing consumer electronics show. That's coming up in a moment for our patrons. Look forward to that. But if you are not, then do consider getting our full-length ad-free show. Listen and chat with us as we record live like so many people are doing right now. You can be wonderful like Tom Mooney, Jess Christensen, Phil Conabare. We've got lots of people listening live too. Thank you to all of you, however you are supporting us. Find out more at patreon.com forward slash UK tech. I strongly suspect that we're going to hear a bit more about CES um, from... A certain individual by the name of Tom Merritt. Let's find out. This week, it's all about CES. Patrick Norton and Robert Heron joined us on either end of the show to talk about the home theater announcements, including projectors, TVs, and more. Allison Sheridan gave us a look at some of the cooler, smaller products coming out of the show. Shannon Morse helped us wrap our heads around all the new laptop form factors. And Nate himself showed up, too, to help us make sense of all the smart home announcements and more. From robots to self-driving cars to self-coloring cars, CES 2022 is covered wall-to-wall at DailyTechNewsShow.com. Oh, yeah. I was on DTNS talking about CES earlier this week. Thanks, Tom. (laughs) That's worth listening to. Frankly, the whole of last week's DTNS is well worth listening to if you want a a great summary of what happened at CES. Um, In our extended version of this week's show, uh, we talked over some of the less inspiring uh, things that we saw, but also some uh, inspiring things that we saw and our reasons um, why we think this year's CES has been a little bit of a bust. Um, But patrons can enjoy that. Um, We did have an email, but we're going to come to that next week because we're running a bit long this week. I just want to thank everybody for once again sticking with us. And I hope that you'll stick with us for the remainder of the year. Do you have anything you wish to add at this point? No, I'd, I'd like people to do the same as well. Or just have um, a great year. We, we, yeah, really. I mean, let's hope that everyone has a better year than last year. Like, I mean, last year, I guess maybe wasn't as bad for some people as the year before, but it feels like this has been two years of exhaustion. Let's have a a nice summer. Let's, the sun may come out this year. That'd be nice. Uh, people can go on holiday, maybe. That'd be nice. Um, and no more pandemics slash variants. Let's hope for that. I'd certainly hope so. Take care of yourself, everybody. Ian and I will be back next week. Hello, this is Danny Pellegrino, host of the Everything Iconic podcast, and I'm here to tell you all about Splash Refresher, because hydration is mandatory, but boring is not. Now, I love my water, but if I don't spice it up, I'm not going to finish what I took out of the fridge. That's why I love my Splash Refresher, which is flavorful, delicious, bright, hydrating, and zero calories. The wild berry flavor is my fave. No, wait. Is the pineapple mango flavor my fave? You know what? All five craveable Splash Refresher flavors are my fave because they're so delicious. So get hydrated and enjoy it with Splash Refresher.